the nominee for a top U.S. national security role, saying a Chinese invasion of Taiwan is a real concern. Eli Ratner, U.S. President Joe Biden's pick to lead the Pentagon's Asia office, was speaking before the Senate at his confirmation hearing on Wednesday. He said the U.S. must invest more resources towards deterring Chinese aggression in the region. He also expressed support for President Tsai Ing-wen's defense policy and her efforts to build a more mobile, resilient military force. The People's Republic of China has yet to renounce the use of force against Taiwan and is increasingly uh, using its aggression and, and coercion in the, in the region. So I think this is a a real concern. During his confirmation hearing at the U.S. Senate, Ratner said that the possibility of a PLA invasion of Taiwan was a real concern. Senator Jake Sullivan, who recently visited Taiwan, asked him to comment on whether an invasion was possible in the next six years, a timeline suggested by top U.S. Admiral Philip Davidson. I agree with that timeline. Senator, it's a very important question. I agree with uh, Admiral Davidson's sense of urgency. Um, I don't think it's particularly useful to put a pin on a, on a timeline and in the absence of the United States to impose sufficient costs and denial capability, uh, I think there is a potential that they would use aggression against Taiwan to achieve their political aims. Ratner said the U.S. needed to put more funding toward deterring China from invading Taiwan. He also expressed support for the Tsai administration's national defense strategy. President Tsai is committed to taking Taiwan's uh, military in the right direction, and I'm encouraged by the steps she's been taking to try to develop a more mobile and, and resilient military, uh, and that's an incredibly important part of the deterrent in the region, and if confirmed, I would look forward to advancing that agenda. Also on Wednesday, several U.S. congressmen reintroduced the Taiwan Defense Act. The legislation aims to ensure that the U.S. maintains the ability to counter Chinese attempts to invade Taiwan and execute a fait accompli. The term fait accompli refers to a Chinese strategy to seize control of Taiwan before the U.S. military can respond, while attempting to convince the U.S. that responding to the invasion would be prohibitively difficult or costly. And according to Reuters, bipartisan U.S. representatives plan to introduce another bill later this week, the Taiwan Peace and Stability Act. The bill is designed to promote Taiwan's diplomatic, economic and physical space. Democrat Ami Barra says he expects much of the act to be eventually included into the Ensuring American Global Leadership and Engagement Act, which aims to counter policy challenges posed by China. Once again, Congress is making moves to strengthen Washington's support for Taiwan. Staying on China, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. criticized China on Wednesday for using COVID vaccines to expand its global influence and threaten Taiwan's allies. Speaking at a committee hearing at the House of Representatives, Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield said China was using vaccine diplomacy to attempt to steal Taiwan's diplomatic allies. She also said China obstructed U.S. efforts to promote Taiwan's inclusion in this year's World Health Assembly. As COVID continues to spread globally, China is using vaccine diplomacy to try to poach Taiwan's remaining allies. At a U.S. congressional hearing on Wednesday, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. said Beijing was putting pressure on Haiti, which has diplomatic ties with Taiwan. Threaten uh, countries, for example, vaccine. I know, for example, Taiwan, uh, on the Taiwan issue, Haiti uh, has a relationship with Taiwan, and because of that, uh, the Chinese have put tremendous pressure on, on, on Haiti. Previously, China also put pressure on Paraguay, dangling COVID vaccines and asking it to switch its allegiance from Taiwan. But the proposition was rejected by Paraguay's president. 
at the cost of human lives and public health, it tried to force Taiwan's diplomatic allies to leave Taiwan. China's use of such malign means is being repudiated by the world. Greenfield Thomas also said the U.S. has pushed for Taiwan's participation in U.N. activities, such as the recent WHA, but its efforts were met with repeated Chinese obstruction. We want to see Taiwan recognized for uh, the extraordinary democracy that it is, and we want to see, for example, recognized on how well they, they dealt with, uh, with the COVID situation there. Uh, so this is something that uh, I find particularly uh, egregious on the part of the Chinese, uh, and we're pushing hard to uh, discourage uh, and encourage others to support our efforts uh, to, uh, yes. to recognize Taiwan. Responding to her remarks, Taiwan's foreign ministry spokeswoman Joanne Oh said she was grateful to the ambassador for speaking the truth. Taiwan's COVID situation is improving, says the Central Epidemic Command Center. It reported 175 new local cases on Thursday, marking the fifth day in a row with fewer than 200 cases. COVID testing is actually increasing, but the number of cases is gradually trending down. Overall, it appears that the COVID situation is improving. 87 of the latest cases were reported from New Taipei and 34 from Taipei City. There were 31 cases from Miaoli, all of them employees of Qingyuan Electronics. In Shinzu County, there were 10 cases, all from long-term care institutions. These latest figures take the total to 13,584 confirmed cases and 497 deaths. A letter from the U.S. FDA has stoked the public debate over immunobridging. The letter, which was written in response to the Taiwan FDA, said the U.S. was still assessing immunobridging and that it was, quote, not possible to have a position at the current time. United Daily News reported Thursday that the letter was a clear repudiation of Taiwan's regulatory authority, which has approved the use of immunobridging by local COVID vaccine makers. But the central government points out that the U.S. had taken no position at all. Immunobridging is a method of demonstrating the efficacy of a vaccine. It involves comparing the immune response triggered by a local vaccine candidate with the response induced by the AstraZeneca jab. Last week, the FDA authorized immunobridging as a way to demonstrate COVID vaccine efficacy in the absence of phase three trials. It confirmed Thursday that it had sent letters to U.S., EU and Japan regulators asking for their position on immunobridging. The U.S. FDA wrote back, stating that it was still discussing approaches to immunobridging and that an official position was not yet possible. Its letter was leaked to the press this week, fueling controversy over the immunobridging method. The CECC responded on Thursday. What they said, what the U.S. is saying, is that they are still discussing immunobridging and its feasibility, so they don't have an official position on it for the time being. The main issue is that they have not reached a definite conclusion, and so they can't provide a clear position. Generally speaking, people are reading into the U.S. FDA's reply and arriving at different opinions. It doesn't say no to immunobridging. It says that at the present stage, the FDA cannot offer an official position on the matter. Infectious diseases expert Huang Liming says that even if immunobridging were not approved by the U.S. FDA, 
Taiwanese COVID vaccines would still be able to get international certification elsewhere. This situation will continue changing because as more scientific evidence comes out, these countries might change their minds. In any case, we can still seek out countries that support this method and apply for certification and authorization there. That would still be a form of international recognition. Epidemiologist Wang Renxian says vaccines that haven't cleared phase three trials can be kept on backup for use in an emergency. But he argues that only fully tested vaccines should be chosen for non-emergency use. Both of Taiwan's local vaccine makers are drawing up plans for phase three testing. Sources say Medigen Vaccine Biologics will do a phase three in the Netherlands and seek regulatory approval in the EU. United Biomedical is planning to conduct its phase three trial in India. Taiwan's COVID-19 fatality rate has now reached 3.8 percent, which is higher than the global average of 2.1 percent. Former Vice President Sun Jen-run, who is a trained epidemiologist, says fatalities can be explained by older adults, accounting for the majority of cases. Dr. Wang Runxian disputes this, saying this is true for all countries and that Taiwan's high mortality rate is due to insufficient COVID testing. On his social media, former Vice President Chen posted a table of COVID data between April 20th and June 13th. It showed that adults 50 years and older accounted for some 55% of all COVID cases. The former VP wrote that older adults are more likely to have chronic diseases and compared to young adults are more likely to die or develop severe symptoms from COVID-19. That's why Taiwan's fatality rate is above the global average, he said. The remarks were greeted with skepticism from one epidemiologist. Everywhere in the world, middle-aged and older adults account for the majority of COVID cases. Can you find any country in the world where the majority of cases is young adults? No, you can't. Anytime an infectious disease first appears, you'll see a high mortality rate. Because when a disease first appears, there's no testing for it. For example, when AIDS first appeared, the only cases we saw were the severe ones, and many of them died. It was terrifying. But now everybody with AIDS survives. What the numbers are really saying is that our country does not have enough screening. Wang argued that Taiwan's high mortality rate could not be explained by a higher rate of infections among middle-aged and older adults. The fatality rate of every age group is basically the same in every country. Our healthcare system isn't worse than that of other countries. Greater Taipei is working very hard on screening, but in other cities and counties, testing has not been very extensive. There's a great deal of room for more to be done. The Central Epidemic Command Center has recently begun to expand community screening. Wang says the central government should offer more ways to get tested and to continue testing until the mortality rate goes down. He said that what happens in the next two weeks could shape the epidemic's trajectory in Taiwan. As part of the government's move to widen community testing, the CCC is urging companies to provide PCR tests for employees, including those with no symptoms. That's to flush out asymptomatic carriers of COVID-19. To deal with surging demand for PCR tests, Taichung Veterans General Hospital has teams working round the clock to process samples. Meanwhile, in Zhanghua, medical workers are finding ways to make vaccinations quicker and easier for elderly citizens. Here in Zhanghua, vaccinations are on offer at a fixed location, but on rainy days, there's a bit of flexibility. Older patients in cars don't need to get out of the vehicle. Nurses check their name off the register, take their temperature, and then give them the jab. 
The convenient system gets the stamp of approval from these patients. As with most vaccines, in-car patients are asked to hang around until it's clear there's no acute reaction. Doctors can see within about half an hour if there's an acute reaction or not. If there are any acute symptoms, we can attend to them immediately. Meanwhile, the CECC is encouraging companies to offer employees rapid tests. The screening station at Taichung Veterans General Hospital carried out PCR tests for over 700 employees of one company in a day. The samples were then sent to a lab to be analyzed. The PCR test involved extracting genetic material and then using enzymes to duplicate it until it's clear whether or not COVID-19 material is present. The whole process takes four to five hours. Taichung Veterans General Hospital has expanded its rapid testing capacity. With ships working around the clock, they can now process 2,000 PCR tests a day. Taiwan's central bank has left interest rates unchanged for the fifth quarter in a row. The rate will stay at 1.125%, the lowest ever for Taiwan. The central bank also raised its 2021 GDP growth to 5.08%, up from the 4.53% forecast in March. Let's hear from the central bank governor. The pandemic has become more severe and has impacted consumption, but our exports and investments are flourishing. So overall, our economic growth will remain steady. The central bank projected GDP growth of 7.55% in the first half of the year and 2.86% for the second half. Since Level 3 began, more Taiwanese have been buying groceries online, some even opting for subscription veg boxes. But if they're not delivered quickly enough, fresh veg can arrive in suboptimal condition. Businesses are seeking help from an industry hit hard by COVID, the taxi cab. Instead of ferrying passengers, taxis are now paid to ferry fresh produce to your door. These veggies were in a home delivery box, but they arrived brown and wilted and not at all appetizing. Another veg box purchaser received rotten water spinach in their box. Market goers explained to us why they don't trust grocery deliveries. The boxes are more expensive and you don't know if they come from a good supplier or not. You only get to see the stuff after it's arrived. I like to come out and buy things myself to pick the ones I like and then go home as soon as I've got them. These ladies say they much prefer to choose produce in person where they can check it out properly. COVID has made others choose deliveries, but vegetables don't keep forever. There's a high volume of deliveries currently, straining postal services, and some customers wait days for their grocery box. That's why a platform has been set up in the Directorate General of Highways to bring delivery companies together with out-of-work taxi drivers. A taxi driver opens up their trunk to reveal the fresh veg boxes and helps unload them. Because of the pandemic, nobody's hailing taxis on the streets. There's been a big drop in passengers. 
Since the pandemic erupted, we've actually seen demand for the taxi industry as a whole drop by more than 50%. We've had a lot of inquiries from different online retailers selling fresh produce, asking if we can assist them. Everyone is stuck at home, and many are soothing themselves with online shopping. That means a boom for the transport and delivery sector, and even taxi drivers are getting in on the action. Under the Level 3 COVID alert, service industries have had to adapt or face financial losses. We made a trip to one hot pot restaurant that has pivoted to selling groceries. The new mini supermarket offers locals all the hot pot ingredients that were once prepared in the kitchen. A customer rummages in the freezer, perusing shrimps, eels and other seafood. Some have brought their own freezer bags to carry their haul. They check the outside shelves, then head inside to keep browsing. You can see all kinds of flavorings here as well as sweets, biscuits and drinks. But this is not a grocery store. It's an all-you-can-eat hot pot restaurant. The tables and chairs inside have all been packed up. Eating in is impossible for now. After profits fell to zero, the restaurant began offering takeaway hot pots and assorted lunch boxes. Then they hit on this plan to sell ingredients that couldn't be cooked up in the kitchen. We got in a lot of ingredients and we're doing our best at the supermarket here to bring out and sell everything we can think of. You can't eat in and they need to survive and adapt to the circumstances. It's not an entire supermarket yet, but there's a wide range of seafood, meat and other hot pot staples, as well as sweets, snacks and ingredients. It's a convenient spot to pick up groceries for local residents and passersby. I came and had one of the durian ices last time. It was great. I want to come and support them as I fear they might go under. From zero profits at first, we've grown to at least 5% of what it was. We can keep giving our employees jobs. Just 5% of normal profits is a bitter pill to swallow. But this restaurant is making the most of the options available. Employees and local customers are keeping the business afloat together. More relief from the drought is on the way, which could lead to easing the ban on irrigation. Another plum rain front is approaching Taiwan. Forecasters say the front will start moving in this weekend, bringing downpours to central and southern Taiwan. By next Tuesday and Wednesday, there will be a chance of heavy rains island-wide. By Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll start getting the frontal effects. According to our latest data, the structure of this front is quite complete. Those on the west coast and northeast region should pay special attention when the front arrives, because it could bring short bursts of intense rainfall and sporadic rounds of heavy rain. And if there is small-scale or medium-scale convection when the front hits us, we could get extremely heavy rain. Forecasters expect the coming round of rains will help areas still struggling with drought. Since the start of May, plum rains have replenished many of Taiwan's reservoirs, particularly Taoyuan Sherman Reservoir and the Baoshan Second Reservoir in Shinzhou. But supplies remain tight in some areas of north of Taichung, with Kaohsiung Agongdian Reservoir at less than 10% capacity. Water resource authorities will meet next week to discuss adjustments to drought restrictions. If next week's rainfall hits forecasts, they may lift the ban on irrigation.